0: Meaningless. Meaningless. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What have I gained from what I have accomplished in this life? It's just meaningless. What's the point? When you hear those words, what do you hear? Do you hear somebody who's excited with the way his life has turned out? Somebody who's lived his life to the full extent and says, hey, do what I've always done? Somebody who's proud of at the end of his life to see what his it is all added up to, what it has accomplished. No, you don't hear that. You hear that you hear somebody who's who's come to the end of it all, who feels like he has wasted his whole life. He says, now what? What's the point of all of this? I've I've put all I had into everything. And what does it gain me? It gains me absolutely nothing. Solomon was the guy who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And Solomon, as we saw last week, has already come to the point in his life where he recognizes, boy, I screwed it up. Boy, I had all, everything going for me. And look what I've done, but look at the final outcome. What really matters? He wrote that in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, which is where we're going to finish today. But we're going to look through the next several weeks is where how did he come to that conclusion? What were all the things that he tried in order to find out what was meaningless? versus what really mattered. Ecclesiastes, we're going to be chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 11. Solomon wants to find purpose. Solomon wants to find meaning and he's willing to look for it anywhere. And I think that's the way a lot of people are today. We want purpose. We want meaning. We want to feel like what we did really matters. What we did really is going to count. That after I'm dead and gone, that there was some point to my existence. Solomon has searched for that far and wide, and I think a lot of people have done the same thing. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? You know, that's kind of a... Interesting question, what has man gained from all his toils under the sun? It's interesting for Solomon to ask that. Because Solomon is the guy who has everything. He has accomplished everything. Everything that this world has to offer, good, bad, or ugly, Solomon has had his hands on, and he's been able to try, and he's come to the conclusion, it is all meaningless. But before he gets to that point, Solomon has to try out a few things in life, like a lot of people do. They don't want to take my word for it. They don't want to take your word for it. They don't want to take the scripture's word for it. They want to learn for themselves what is really true and what's really not. Solomon is just trying to convince the reader. He's trying to convince us thousands of years later not to do what he has done. uh, But here's what he has tried in order to find purpose, in order to find meaning. And he uses uh, verses 4 through 11 to kind of show us that he has this lack of purpose. And he says, "meaningless." What your version might say, "vanity." It means a mere breath, a vapor. It's fleeting. It's futile. It's vain. It's worthless. It's, your back of your bulletin tells you that which is empty, without permanent value, that which ultimately leads to frustration. Solomon believes that there is no point at this at this point in his life. Nothing matters, and he lists three different reasons why. Reason number one. Verses 3 through 8, it's because nothing changes. Let me read it for you. Or verse 4, it says, Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning to its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been done will be done again, what has been done before will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Verse 10, is there anything of which one can say, look, there is something new. It was here already, long ago, it was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. So first of all, I read more than I planned to, sorry about that. Uh, But verses 3 through 8, he talks about how it's going to be the same again. Nothing ever changes. He says, the sun, it went down last night. Guess what it's going to do tomorrow? What do you think? What? It's going to come back up. The, The water goes through the creeks and it goes to the sea. Does that mean that the water's done? It ultimately goes back there again. Um the wind it blows and it comes back and he says the eye it never has enough of seeing it never gets to the point where it says boy I'm tired of looking and so I'm all done the ear never says boy I've, I've heard enough and so I'm just gonna shut those off and never use them again and he's saying just like the water's gonna flow back to the sea just like the sun is going to rise and the sun is going to set is man's life that the, everything he's worked for everything he's toiled for he's just gonna have to get up tomorrow and do it again He's going to still have to go out and water his vineyards. He's still going to have to tell his servants how to to run the the palace. He's still going to have to uh, run his kingdom. It's not done just because I did it today. Just like the sun is going to rise again, he's going to have to get out of bed. He's going to have to go back to work and do it all over. So nothing changes, Solomon says. That's depressing to him. He said, there's nothing new. Everything that I have done has been done before Everything that I might happen to do in the future is going to be done again. Maybe there's some slight variations. You think about people who build houses. Uh, They build a house that might look the same, but a house has already existed before. You've already had doors. You've already had indoor plumbing. You've already had a basement, right? Everything that you've done has a slight variation, but it's still been there. And verse 11, number three, uh, Solomon says, Nothing is going to be remembered. He says, There is no remembrance of men of old, And even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. You know what I think Solomon is worried about? I think he's worried about his legacy. How are people going to talk about me and remembering me after I've gone? I mean, Solomon, he's he's an old man by this point. He's seen lots of life. He's seen lots of death. His dad has already died a long time ago. He knows the history books. And he knows that, well, I remember some of this, but I know that most of this people don't care. People aren't really going to remember. I mean, you think about the history of our world. You say, boy, I remember hearing about Columbus, and I remember hearing about Martin Luther, and I remember about whoever you think is on your top ten history. But it's like you remember them. You don't spend all day thinking about them and, and, you know, about what they've accomplished. You say, yes, we had a holiday. Good, we, we got out of school. But it's like, you know, at some point, people don't remember everybody's lives start to move on. So I think Solomon's worried about what are people going to remember about me when I'm gone. He says, there's, what's the point? Everything is just going to go on and go on like it always has. And with thoughts like that, you can understand why Solomon thinks it's meaningless, why it's pointless, why there's no purpose, because everything's going to continue just like it always has ever since the, the time I was born, ever since creation, until eternity, it's just going to repeat itself. You know, we can fall into the same trap of feeling like, what's the point? Like there's nothing that really matters. What, is, what has happened before is just going to happen again. We can find ourselves sitting in Solomon's chair asking or thinking these same things. You know, we can say that there's no point, nothing matters. And typically, it's the older generations who have reached this conclusion. Because they are the ones who have spent their whole life pursuing everything that they've wanted. I, I thought this new car was going to make me happy. I thought this job was what I was designed for. I thought something in this life was going to ultimately bring satisfaction. They've tried everything. You younger generation, say, baloney. I don't get it. I don't because you know, you're you're waiting to spread your wings and fly. You're waiting to get out from under mom and dad's thumbnails, which I can picture Noah doing that. I can only imagine what he's going to do when he gets out there without us controlling part of his life. And he says, there's a lot of—it's a great big world out there. There's a huge purpose. There's, there's so much out there that's going to bring me satisfaction, that's going to make me happy. So the younger generation says, I don't really think so. But the older generation, and even me, I'm kind of in that middle point where I've kind of recognized that, you know what, history does repeat itself. What I do really doesn't matter. I was a youth pastor in Davenport for, for three years. Well, guess what? Someone else is now. And who, before I was there, somebody else was there. And it could get to the point where, what's the point? Where's the meaning? Nothing changes. You know, uh, on Tuesday, let's Monday night, um, I had a conversation with Lauren. And I was talking about going to Billings. Uh, Leslie had a dentist appointment. I said, Lauren, where would I go? Because we talked about the dentist. You know where it was at. I said, where should we go for um, a hotel? And if you've never been to the come on in, I highly recommend it. (laughs) It was great. It's got this, it's got an indoor waterfall. It's got fish that you can feed. It's got five hot tubs and a pool. It's got indoor balconies. It was great. You know, and I think about, that's one of those jobs that it's just the same thing tomorrow. You know, I, I can picture somebody who starts the job and they barely can handle going from room to room, and they they finally get the beds made and they feel like it's it's an eternity to get through this. But after a couple of weeks, it's old hat. They they've got the job down. It's no big deal. And then they start to think, boy, what was so hard? What I was so excited for, all of a sudden is is not that much fun. I'm just making a hundred beds every day. Nobody's leaving me tips. You know, these kids, people are like slobs, and it's like. It's just over and over again. I, you know, in my life, uh, I used to wash windows. And at first when we did it, I was stressed out to pieces trying to get wash people's windows. We had a certain amount we were supposed to get done every hour. And I, I even topped it. It was like 20 frames an hour. And I, I could top it by like up to 22. And at some point, I was excelling. I was excited. I felt like, man, I was something. But the thing is, month after month. Year after year, You go back to the same house and you do it again. There's no challenge left in it. And it's like, what's the point? I'm just going to wash the windows again. You go drill wells for people. You're just going to uh, drill another well. You know, I think of even here, and I don't take this the wrong way, but even being here when I first came, it was like, boy, it was the hardest thing in the world to get a message together. As soon as church was done, I'm starting to read about the next week. I'm starting on Monday morning, and I'm spending the whole week trying to get this done. And then I think, well, what? At first, it's exciting. At first, it's a challenge. And then it's like, I just have to do this again. People are just going to have to show up next Sunday and listen to me, and it's the same thing over and over. And if uh, you might find yourself the same way, sitting on the edge of your bed tomorrow morning, thinking, "Great, I got to go teach a class again. I got to go get up, and I got to get out in that snow, and I got to feed those cows again. All they're going to do is eat and release whatever's left over." Right? You could be saying, in my house, I'm just going to cook a meal that's going to do the same thing. My kids are just going to mess it up. What's the point? Everything goes on as it always has. Nothing changes. You can say you know, the same thing, like nothing's new. You know, in reality, we know that there's a lot of new things uh, because you think of technology. You know, back from Solomon's time to now, he would, he would roll over in his grave if he knew the difference. That there was a, a TV right, that you had electricity, that you had cars that you can drive, and instead of falling behind a horse or a mule. But it's, it's the attitude that he has um, is why he's feeling like that. He's depressed. He just feels like, what's the point? You know, in, in our world, we can look and say, not a whole lot is new. You know, how many people know that, uh, I was talking with Ramona, that um, if you're carpet, you buy carpet, you just keep it long enough, what happens? It goes back into style. Your clothes. Go back into style. I even remember hearing some old country songs. And I'm like, man, this old country, this is really good. Then it's like, wait a second. They just redid this. Now on the modern day country station. So you feel like nothing's new. Even though that there are. Uh, th- nothing is going that I do is going to be remembered. People today, we want a legacy. When I left Davenport, I wanted people to remember me as the best youth pastor they ever had. Do they remember me now? I don't think so. I mean, there's a few adults that knew me, but... All the kids have grown up and quit youth group and moved on, and there's a whole new batch. And they don't think about me. I want I want people to remember me as well. Um, and so there's there's the concern that we all can have that we are that we're remembered. People aren't going to remember me. I'm just going to be replaced. If I if I died today, your world would keep going. Somebody else would get up here and they would start talking to you, and it would be. Life would just keep going on. The church wouldn't shut down just because I died. It would just keep going. And so it's easy to find ourselves feeling like, what's the point? Nothing really matters. Life is going to go on as it always has before. And so Solomon, he says, you know what? Life is going to keep going. I'm going to try to make the best of it. I'm going to find some purpose and some meaning for what I'm doing here. What can I do to to fill my time and make it feel worthwhile? Uh, Chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, we'll read through this just a little bit slower. Uh, Verses 12 to 13a, it says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Solomon says, you know what, I, I like this studying thing. I like to know why the birds do what they do. I like to understand the seasons. I like to know the way... Nature ticks. I mean, he has—he's the king. He's got a, a time of peace. He's got everything that he needs at his fingertips. So he has all the time in the world to pursue wisdom. And as he's learning, and if you've ever like studied a topic that you're really excited about, you can stay up till like three in the morning, and you can read book after book. You can get online all night long and just keep searching these things out. Solomon—that's the kind of life he's living. He just wants to know. He's devouring all the information, all the knowledge that he can. And he's trying to find purpose, he's trying to find meaning, he's trying to drown out whatever it is that's keeping him from feeling that way. You know, Solomon, verses uh, 16 and 17, he says, I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom, and also of madness and folly, but I have learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. Solomon, his head was full of wisdom, it was full of knowledge, and he says, here, I know what this is, now I want to apply it, now I want to make this practical. Uh, you think about uh, the book of Proverbs, I, I, I'm going to just tell you a couple of my favorite Proverbs, um, one that's, one that uh, a guy, that, kind of a mentor person in my life, just kept pounding into my brain every day, uh, that it's, it serves well to remember, uh, Proverbs ten nine says, the man of integrity. Walk securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. And if I keep that rolling around in my mind, I'm going to walk the right way with the Lord because I know that if I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to, it's going to be found out. And this guy actually knew me since I was in diapers, so maybe he remembers what I was like as a kid and he's trying to steer me away from a path that he saw me going. Uh, My other favorite one uh, that I want to share with you is Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 through 5. And please listen to this. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. But then he turns around and he says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. That's something you can have a conversation around your lunch table about. What do you mean? Don't answer a fool according to his folly. And then the very next verse you say, answer a fool according to his folly. There's wisdom in there. And if you search for it, you will find it. And so I I just, there's so much in here, in, in the book of Proverbs, in the things that Solomon wrote That he discovered, he says, this isn't just knowledge, this is practical. Here's how I want you to use it. And what did Solomon find out of all of this? Verse 18, chapter 1, verse 18. He says, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Solomon found himself learning more, filling his head with more, and realizing the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. The more I know, I, the more I realize I can't solve every problem. I cannot make everything right even because I know everything. The more he knew about the ways that men think and it wasn't a positive thing. He knew more, but it just wasn't enough. He knew he wasn't going to know it all. He, no matter how much he could learn, he was not going to know everything. And it was a burden to him. He felt like, God, you, you gave us with this ability to search out wisdom, but we still don't understand it all. So he has sorrow, he has grief, because he's pursuing that as what to make him happy, or to give him meaning, or to give him purpose. There's nothing wrong in gaining knowledge and wisdom, but it's not your purpose. It is not what's supposed to give you meaning in life. But Solomon tried that. The second thing Solomon's trying is chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Verse 2. Let me read verse 10 first. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Sounds like a nice thing, you know, i got to get anything I ever wanted. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my... Okay, that's good. Let's just stop there. I just want you to focus on the point. I denied myself nothing. Anything I wanted, I had it on a platter. Right now, no no arguments. Everybody was at my fingertips. What did he uh, pursue? Verse 2 says... Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what pleasure does it what what pleasure does it accomplish? Solomon says, you know what? I want happiness. I'm gonna get my court gestures. and they, they better be funny. Nice. <laughs> they better be telling me a funny joke because I want to just drown out everything and I just want to focus on what is going to make me laugh. He says that didn't satisfy. Verse three, he says, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives." He says, I'm going to get my, my specialty wine back from a hundred years ago and I'm going to start drinking this. But I'm not going to drink it to the point of intoxication. I don't want to lose my senses. He says, my wisdom is still guiding me, but I want, I want the buzz. I want to feel kind of what it's like. And I want to find happiness in what I'm drinking. But it's not even just what he's drinking. You know, tied in with that would be like the fine foods. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one. Like, I like to eat. I, I like to, when I go out to do something fun, I like to go to a restaurant. Because I'm, I'm, I'm satisfying a need, and I'm getting to do something special. But he says, you know what, that didn't satisfy me. But he tried it. Verses 4 through 6, he tries something else. He says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves and to flourish the trees. He was a guy who undertook great projects. He had blueprints laid out everywhere. Everywhere he went, he had another drawn-out napkin of what he could build. And here's what it's going to take to get the water there. And here's what it could look like. And all of Jerusalem was beautiful. And all the people were excited to say, Solomon, what are you going to do next? We have the greatest-looking city in all of the world. Because Solomon had every resource at his disposal, and he was using it. He says, I'm trying to find purpose. I'm trying to find meaning. I'm trying to find reason to be in what I am doing, which are good things to do. But it's not what he was supposed to pursue in order to make him happy. Yeah, to make him happy. Verse 7 and 8 says, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself in the treasures of kings and provinces. He says, "Okay, fine. I got all this money. I'm going to start buying things. I want the biggest herd. That's going to make me happy. That's going to give me purpose. I want um, slaves. You know, more people to do the work for me." And he he just kept buying things, and ultimately, he's finding out that that's not exactly what was wasn't doing what he intended. Verse eight b says that he had a band. Solomon had his own personal band. I acquired men and women singers. He had his own band. You no, know, I can't sleep tonight. Bring in those people and sing me a lullaby. I'm having a party. Bring on the, 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 the fast playing, whatever instrument players they were, the harp, the you know, quick harp players. No, he's, he's, he's try, he has a band. He has everything. What else could he need or think he wants that he does not yet have? Verse 9 says, uh, end of verse 8, I guess. It says, and a harum as well, the delights of the heart of man. So harum would like he had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. That's a thousand women. You picture every shape, size, and color. You know, it's he had everything. You're not, you know, you're, you're grumpy at me tonight. I'm just going to go to this one, and she'll love me. You know, and you always have whatever you want. And he he just he kept acquiring these things. These are supposed to make me happy. This this wife made me happy for a while. I'm kind of getting old, tired of her. I want another one. I want another one. Till so finally he realized, wait a second, I better stop. <laughs> At some point, enough is enough. And all those women, all those women he thought were going to make him happy, ultimately led his heart astray. He ended up turning to make idols for his wives. And his heart was divided. And that's kind of what happens. If we start going on all these other things as opposed to what God has given us as a purpose, we're not going to find happiness. It's ultimately going to lead us away from God instead of closer to God. And people today, oh, verse, verse 11, I want to read to you. It says, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. All those things that he pursued, uh, most of those things, I would say, are just fine to do. It skipped all the women, but everything else that he had was okay for him to have as a king but they still do not satisfy They still do not bring him purpose. They still do not bring him meaning. And today, it's no different. You no, know, the world uh, doesn't pursue the same thing Solomon did, but this world wants purpose. The world wants it to, to have meaning, and they, the world screams purpose. This is what's purpose. This is what's meaning. This is why you're put on this planet. And, and, and all the things that it counts as purpose and meaning, uh, it makes it very clear of what to pursue. You know, when you sing a song, well, you might get man's applause. Uh, when you win the big game, you get a trophy. Uh, when, uh, when someone throws that little orange ball into that net, so many times the world says, hey, you, you deserve something special for that. People, there's a Nobel Peace Prize for people who do great and wonderful things. People who are famous get their name written in a history book. Now, I don't imagine I'm ever going to get those. I never got a trophy for winning the big game. I never, no one ever applauds when I sing. Um, I've I've never, I'm never going to be that athlete. I'm never going to win the Nobel Prize. I'm never going to have my name written in a book unless you decide to write my name in the front cover of your book. But nobody's going to care. The world doesn't care about what I have accomplished. It looks and says, that's not really important. But the things that it does count as important are the things that the world says, that's what I want. That's what's going to make me happy. That's what's going to give me purpose is having the praise of man. And so the world pursues lots of the same kinds of things that Solomon did. Like the world pursues knowledge. Uh, People get really impressed by how many degrees you have behind your name. Which you have degrees behind your name? I will admit it. I am impressed. All I could get to was a bachelor's. I know it goes way higher than that, but I don't have the... Brain power. I don't have the desire to go any farther than that at the moment. Even though I still keep learning, it's just not the same. But the world is impressed if you have knowledge, the degree behind your name. Uh, If you, with the people are satisfied with the pleasures that they have, with the toys, kids. But even as adults, we have our own toys as well, Uh, or the clothes that we wear, the cars we drive, the food that we eat. I've already mentioned that that's something that. Sometimes I find, try to find satisfaction in. I'm in a, a lousy mood. I want to go find and fulfill my need for importance or something by filling my face with something. People try to find satisfaction in riches, in the investments that they have, in the job that they have, and um, the amount of money they make in a year. People try to find satisfaction in the opini- opinions of others. I'll admit to that one too. I struggle with that. When people build me up, I feel good. But guess what? It doesn't last! You could give me the nicest card, and the nicest comment, but then tomorrow, what am I going to do? Well, I, gotta, I want that back, right? I want to I praise again. I want more and more praise. But people keep trying to find satisfaction in all the wrong things. People try to find success or, uh, satisfaction in success. I got the big deal. I got the promotion. The world counts it as important. I've tried to find satisfaction in that. But you don't want to get to the point of what Solomon had, of verse 11. When I surveyed all that my hands had done, when I looked at my bank account, I looked at my car that I was driving, I looked at my... Uh, I remember some of those nice words that people said, and concluded that everything was meaningless, and chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. You don't want to get to that point. Solomon got to that point. That's why he's sitting in his chair saying, meaningless, meaningless. What did I do? They do? What, what really matters? So the man, man has a need for purpose. The world says, here, here's how you fulfill his purpose. And God says, you know what? That's not exactly right. Here, let me tell you what your purpose is. And Solomon has uh, found that purpose. and And he writes about it in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. And this is what God says is what's meaningful, what ultimately is purposeful, what really counts. And after Solomon tried everything, good, bad, or ugly, he came to this conclusion Verse 13, it says, Now all has been heard. I've told you everything I possibly can about my my own path to get to this point. It says, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That is your whole purpose. That is your whole duty is to fear God and keep his commandments. And that, like we talked about last week, that's going to show up in a lot of different ways. Because we are not all in the same body living the same life, doing the same kinds of things. It's going to show up differently. But the first thing you need to do is to fear the Lord. It's not the kind of fear like I'm hiding on my bed, I'm afraid of God, he's going to zap me. Uh, like the fear that you, if you were stuck in a torture chamber and you're just hearing those footsteps come down the hall and you know this guy's coming and he's, he's going to whip you as much as he feels like it. It's not that kind of fear. It's the kind of fear that you're, you want your kids to have for you. Where I love you, I don't want to hurt you, I, I'm afraid of disappointing you. That's more of the fear, is I don't want to disappoint you. And we need to have that fear of God, like, God, look what he did for me. He came down to this earth, he died on the cross to give me salvation. I don't want to disappoint him. He sustains me in life. He gives me the good things that I experience. He gives me the air that I breathe. I don't want to let him down. That's the kind of fear you need to have of God. That's the kind of fear that Solomon is talking about. And then the second thing he says is to keep God's commandments. And uh, we, we talked a little bit about last week about how that can be just general truths that show up in specific ways about loving man. Uh, a verse that I've heard a couple of times uh, throughout the weeks of Sunday school the last couple of weeks is in James chapter 2, verses 15 to 16. And it talks about if you see your brother or sister that's hungry or thirsty, don't say, go, keep warm, keep well-fed, and go in peace. That's not showing love. Uh, the loving thing to do would be to give them a meal. Give them a coat on their, their back. or to do something in order to help them. That's a general truth is to love other people. That's a specific way to do it. About doing the best work that you have. That's general. Everybody here, when you have your job, when you do your chores at home, kids, when you're vacuuming the, 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 the bedroom floor, or you're making your bed, you're supposed to do the best that you can. It's something that's... General for everybody, but it's going to show up in a specific way. But it also could be specific to you. What ministry that you're going to have, uh, uh, what career that you're going to pursue. Last week I talked about how thankful I am, and even today I'm thankful that I'm not a rancher. I was home all day in a warm house. I didn't even think about the cows and going outside and having to feed them. God did not thankfully bless me with that. Solomon says, fear God and keep his commandments. That's what he concluded. That's what he decided was what really mattered. I want to ask you, what have you concluded? What have you decided in your life is what really matters? Are you still trying to pursue meaning and purpose and reason to live in what the world says is this is what really matters? Or are you willing to say, okay, I'm going to choose. I'm going to follow you, God, and say I'm going to try not to. Uh, to do what hurts you, and I'm going to try to do what you want me to do. That's kind of a a simple way to put it. I'm going to fear God, so I'm not going to do what He doesn't want me to do. I'm going to follow God's commands, and so I'm going to do what God asked me to do, right? That's a pretty simple way to look at it. Don't do what you're not supposed to do. Do what I'm supposed to do. Fear God and keep His commandments. That's what Solomon came up with. That's the most important thing that he could do. He already has the relationship with God, so we're not touching on the fact that that's what he needs to do first. He's already got that relationship with God. Now he's got to make sure he's doing what God wants and saying no to what God doesn't want him to do. You know, you and I were designed to live a meaningful, purposeful life to be to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. But you're just not going to find it. The world says it the way the world says you're going to find it. You're going to have to find it God's way. I don't want you to find yourself sitting in Solomon's chair at the end of your life, whether it's. Uh, tomorrow or whether it's 40 years from now thinking what was the point? Uh, it's all meaningless. I wish I would not have done something different. Live the life that God's given you to live but make sure as you do, you fear God and you keep His commandment and you won't be saying everything is meaningless. You'll say everything had value, everything had purpose and then you can be, uh, you can finish your days in happiness satisfied that you did everything that God asked you to do. Please don't be Solomon. Please learn from his mistakes and, and live the rest of your days uh to please God to fear God and to keep His commandments. Let's pray, Father God, I thank you for your word, God. you know that this is um it's tough for us to do God. we have one the side of the world that's screaming everything to us of of what's important of what really matters, and it's what what's gonna not last for eternity it, it might go down in a record book it might um it might make people happy for a, a few minutes it might satisfy for uh, for, I don't know, for a month. I don't know, God. But you know that ultimately it's not going to give us purpose. It's not going to give us meaning. We're only going to find that in you, God. And so I just pray that you would be, you'd speak louder than the world does. To, to put cement in our mind to fear you and keep your commandments as the most important thing that we need to do. And I pray for you to speak loud in each of our lives. In Jesus' name.